When planning the road to success, there are a few steps to keep in mind. Identifying and solving the cause, facing and embracing change, goal setting, and being accountable. We'll talk about this today on Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. New and healthier habits lead to prosperity in all areas of your life and business. Now, here's your host, Chris Salem. Well, welcome, everyone. Hope everyone is having a great week, the Sustainable Success Way. Again, it's a sunny day here in the New York City area. Still a lot of snow on the ground. I'll tell you, it feels like the winter we had about seven years ago when we got belted every every week with about two inch or two feet of snow. So, but it's all good. But nonetheless, we're going to have a great show today. And our show, again, is being brought to you today by Alumni Direct. Alumni Direct uh, provides a social media community that allows uh, people that are alumni to come together to not only share experiences and share memories, but also be able to create new relationships, even with new people they've never met that could perhaps lead to your next job, your next promotion, perhaps a business opportunity or a partnership. Again, this is a unique concept uh, that is being done to help really build really strong relationships with people, again, land your next job or your next uh, opportunity in your career. So check them out at myalumnidirect.com. That's myalumnidirect.com. If you are new to sustainable success, again, you found us here at the Voice America Influencers Channel, welcome. You could also uh, visit us on our Facebook page at Sustainable Success 2017. Again, there you'll find many of the great guests that we've had on over the years sharing their words of wisdom to help elevate your business, personal life to the next level. We encourage you to come in, become a member, join and engage the content. Again, it's there free, complimentary to you. Again, a wealth of information that could help you in any aspect of where you are in your business and your personal life. Today, we're gonna be talking about bulletproof mental resilience. And again, I got a special friend here that he's going to be sharing a lot of insight. His name is Dr. Steve Tubman. And again, uh, if you're not familiar with Dr. Steve, he's going to be giving you a lot of information. He's done a lot of shows around hypnosis and his shows are just dynamite. I've been part of him several times. But before I introduce Dr. Steve, I'm going to give you a little background about him. He is the best-selling author, a world-class speaker who has dedicated his life to showing people how to thrive through their challenges. He's written extensively on the application of contemplative practices in stressful situations and has spoken worldwide on mindset mastery for goal-oriented and helping professionals. His works include his best-selling book on hypnosis, on, on thriving through stress on life's battlefields, Bulletproof. He's also written hundreds of articles, uh, or actually I missed that, uh, The Magic of Inner Selling, in, which is his online productivity masterpiece, Procrastination Annihilation, and his latest book on thriving through stress on life's battlefields, Bulletproof. Sorry, I missed that. So again, we're gonna, you're going to learn a little bit more today about how you can get your hands on Steve's new book, which I highly encourage you to do. He's also written hundreds of articles for, for major publications and has produced specialized hypnotic programs for business professionals to remove mental barriers to success. And again, you're going to learn more about his writings and teachings here today. And again, we're going to be, you know, you're going to learn a little bit more where you can reach him. But again, for reference, it is uh, Steve Taubman. It's T-A-U-B-M-A-N.com. Again, write that down. Again, you're going to want to reference that. 
to find out more about Dr. Steve. And without further ado, we welcome Dr. Steve Tubman to the show. Steve, how are you doing today? Chris, what a great pleasure to see you, my friend. Absolutely. So glad to have you here. And, you know, this topic of resilience has just been, you know, one of really a hot area, like stress reduction, resilience, even job burnout. I mean, these are all the things I've been hearing about in corporations and even in the entrepreneurial world. And resilience is something, again, that, you know, we, it's a teacher. We learn a lot from it. But again, you know, something that sometimes people forget when they go through something and then they go through another challenge or, you know, a stressful situation, and then they got to be reminded again. So, I wanted to talk a little bit about around the concept of bulletproof mental resilience, a little bit about what's behind it and, you know, why certain times people have to, they forget and then they have to, you know, get it back again. That's a great place to start. I, uh, for years now, I've been talking about a line from, uh, from uh, Rinpoche, who was uh, an author in the world of the Shambhala meditation uh, world. And he, he used to say that uh, you need fresh baked bread. You know, you don't live on the bread that was baked like two weeks ago. Every day you bake new bread. Every day there's new sustenance. And that's true of resilience. Uh, we can't rely on skills that we just developed once or twice years ago, but rather, you know, constantly going back and looking at what, you know, how we're facing a certain situation. And, you know, quite frankly, we're, we're fluid beings. You know, we, you could be great at it one day and not very good at it the next. And then the question becomes, you know, what, what, what did you do yesterday that you're not doing today? And more importantly, who are you being today that you weren't being yesterday? Yeah, that's so true. So, so true. And what are some of the things like, you know, when you look at resiliency, you know, a lot of times we think about, we hear these inspirational stories about people that have been through a lot of trauma, a lot of setbacks, and, it, and it's inspiring. But yet sometimes while people are inspired by that, they don't seem to sometimes find that within themselves for that situation. So what are some things that you can share today about the power of mental resilience and how that can really help be a teacher and help people get through challenging and difficult times? Well, first, I think what you want to do is realize that everybody's got a different a different point at which they, they need to kick in with their resilience. And if, you know, if you're seeing motivational speakers who have, you know, survived the battlefield or have won the Olympics or, you know, have been, uh, you know, crossing uh, the continent on one leg or whatever it is that they've done, you know, the tendency is that either you're inspired by that or you're depressed by it because you think that's not me. You know, I can't do that. I'm never going to climb Mount Everest. I've got a friend who I'm reading his book right now and it's called lessons from Everest. And here's a guy who like tried to summit Everest a couple years in a row, finally made it. And I read the story and I'm like, you were out of your mind, dude. I would never in a million years try that. And so is it inspiring? Yes. In certain ways, is it, is it, de-inspiring in some ways, yes. Uh, I think what we need to realize going into this is that we all have our own level where, where resilience needs to kick in. And, and, you know, I think it was Richard Bach who said nobody has ever given a, a problem without the ability to solve it, right? There's always, you're not going to be given more than you can potentially Absolutely. overcome. Yeah. And so, you know, you're probably not going to find yourself on Everest deciding whether or not you need to get to the top, but you might be in a situation uh, where you've got a disrespectful coworker or a boss who isn't treating you really well, or maybe some kind of a nagging problem in your business that you haven't yet been able to solve. And that, and those are the times where resilience becomes really important because it's the remedy 
for uh, what most people do. Yeah. And what most people do is they, and there's a difference that you need to get. There's resilience and then there's dogged determination under all. <laughs> you know, I'm going to make this happen no matter what. And, you know, there's, there's this subtle line. I talk about this a lot, a line between uh, passion and obsession. Mm. Right. And, and from the outside, they, they look very much the same. Yeah. From the outside, I don't care if, uh, if you're doing something for all the right reasons or all the wrong reasons. If I'm looking at it from the outside, it looks the same. It looks like somebody staying up at night trying to get a job done. But how it feels inside is very different. Yes. Right? That's a great point. So t- let's talk about that because that is so true when I think about that passion and obsession and again, you know, what, what might be projected on the outside isn't necessarily what's going on in the inside. Right. If you could elaborate on it, I think that's so important. It's a subtle difference that it becomes less subtle the more we work on ourselves. So if you're, um, if, if you're allowing yourself to take some of your day, some chunk of your day, and work on your levels of self-awareness and your level of, of uh, emotional well-being and balance, and uh, emotional intelligence, if part of your day is dedicated to that, then you're going to pick up much more quickly when you cross that invisible line. Because it always starts out as passion, right? It's always like, I'm going to get this done. This is going to be great. I'm going to write this new book. I'm going to start this new business. And you start moving towards it. And then some switch gets flipped. Like maybe there's, a, there's a, an obstacle that you're facing. You don't know how to face it. And the, the, the centered, logical, uh, confident person will stop. And they'll take a breath and they'll start to think about the most effective ways of getting the information they need to move to the next step. And the person who is flipping over into obsession will say, I don't care if there's an answer out there that I could call somebody to get tomorrow. I've got to work through the night. Yeah. Right. And because it's an obsessive need and, it, and it's coming from a place of need. It's not coming from a place of inspiration. Yeah, and so that's so the, true. So the answer is, is you need to develop a mindfulness practice. You need to have some way of recognizing when you're on the other side of that line. And the quicker you could recognize it, the quicker you could come back from it. You, you are so spot on. I can remember, like, I, you know, people used to always say back in the day, Chris, you're so determined. You know, you, when, you, when you get put your mind to something, you just follow through. But what I didn't realize back in my 20s, even though I was driven, I was obsessed. I was not, it, it, it's maybe it's, like you said, it was, it started off as passion and I, and I, I always had a good work ethic and I would follow through, but yet it would become an obsession and I had an addictive personality. So right. if I, if I started something, like you said, I would work through the night and I would work through all through the day. I didn't know when to turn it off. And, and I didn't know what mindfulness was back then. I was like, you know, I was spinning out of control and the only way I knew to kind of escape the pressure and the, and the stress was, you know, was through my addictive uh, habits, which, you know, were alcohol, drugs, sexual addiction. And then, you know, until I hit rock bottom and my life completely just fell beneath me. And, but that was the wake up call. That's where it led me down what you're talking about for mindfulness. And so talk a little bit about that. I think that's so important what mindfulness is and in this equation of resilience and, and how that is something that if done daily, how that can really help to find that harmony that you talked about with passion and obsession. Well, luckily, the, uh, the culture is tipping towards it now, which is wonderful. You know, the business culture. Uh, there's always been a counterculture that's, been, that's recognized the importance 
of this particular quality and the importance of cultivating that quality. And only now and in the last maybe 10 years are we seeing uh, companies, the more forward-thinking companies and the ones that, that want to um, take creative approaches to dealing with things like um, uh, like employee drop-off and thing, you know, all the kinds of things that, that become problematic or having, you know, high medical bills because people are having heart attacks at the, on the job. They're starting to realize, you know what, maybe it is worth our time to invest a little bit of time, attention, and money in creating a mindfulness culture in our business because it makes for a much more effective, much more resilient, and much happier environment. So what is mindfulness? Mindfulness is essentially very simply the ability uh, to be aware, self-aware, and to be accepting. Those two things, mm. that you need both ingredients. You can't just be self-aware. There are a lot of people who have high levels of self-awareness, but have very low levels of self-acceptance. And, you know, like you just described that kind of addictive personality, you know, you may be aware that you're spinning, but at the same time, there's no acceptance. And so you got to keep doing yeah. it because you can't accept the feeling you're having or the voice in your head telling you that if you don't do it, you're a piece of crap. Yes. Oh, so yeah. Those were, the, those were the conversations back then. Constantly, right? So, so awareness becomes the ability to step back from those voices. And acceptance becomes the ability to see that these are just voices. I'm not, that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. I can accept myself for who I am. And as we marry awareness and acceptance, we start getting higher levels of efficiency. Awareness plus acceptance equals mindfulness. Mindfulness equals efficiency. And it equals uh, a lot of other things too, compassion, creativity, and a lot of other wonderful traits. Uh, so it's worth our while to invest a little bit in, in uh, mindfulness. And then there are some closely related um, qualities that, that go right along with mindfulness uh, that, that have become really remarkable in terms of, of their effect on business. One of them is awe. There's, there was a study at Stanford very recently. It happened uh, toward the end of last year. And I read the results of the study and it blew my mind. Um, it, we've known for a long time that experiencing awe, by awe we mean the ability to like be blown away by the beauty of something or blown away by the... Mm magnificence of something, that quality, that feeling of awe, first of all, is in short supply these days, because if you've got your nose to the grindstone, you're missing everything. And secondly, uh, even if it presents itself, our minds are so occupied and we're so dedicated to our outcomes that we're not taking a moment to experience it. But here's what we found out. People who experience awe and allow themselves and even cultivate the experience of awe um, have an expanded sense of time. That's mm-hmm. the first thing. That means that they, um, they don't feel like they're in a rush all the time. And because they don't feel like they're in a rush, they'll take more time with people. They'll be more attentive. They'll value the relationships that they're having. They'll give more acknowledgement and appreciation to others. And all of these other things that happen just as a result of, of having experienced us. So now, we know all of those things. Now, this most recent study... Uh, there was a group of about, I think, uh, 400 people, just shy of 400 people, who were enrolled in the study, about half of whom were frontline workers during COVID. And they were given an exercise. The exercise, less, it's a 20-second exercise. 20-second exercise. I could teach it to you in a second here. And in this 20-second exercise, which they were asked to do three times a day, um, at the end of 21 days, there was a 35% decrease in depression a 17% decrease in anxiety and all sorts of changes in efficiency and positive, positive uh, state of you know, positive mental attitude. 
Mm. And the exercise was simple. The exercise was take a moment right now and look for something for which you feel uh, great appreciation, gratitude, or um, or just an open sense of, of, of beauty for. So like I might look out my window, I've got Lake Champlain out the window over here. And I could see, you know, I could see the Adirondacks and I could see Whiteface Mountain right out this window. And if I turn my, you know, I turn 90 degrees in that direction uh, and just appreciate that, that's, that's step one, right? So I look at it and step two is wait five seconds. Keep looking at it for five seconds. And step three is take a nice, slow, long exhalation while you're looking at it. And then return to whatever you were doing. That's it. That gave a 35% decrease in depression over 21 days for 400 people. That is, that is amazing, Dr. Steven. And, and, and I, can, I can relate to that because I oftentimes when I'm working in intervals of 50 minutes, or that could be an hour and 50 minutes, two hours, whatever it may be, what I'm working on with, I'm with a client. I often will leave that 10 minutes as a way to do exactly what you said, where I come and I do a mini meditation to just mm-hmm. come into the moment, just a reset. And that, it, yeah. and it just miraculously how I can just now shift away from where I was now to be fresh for whatever I'm going to be doing next. And I can have that focus. And I feel, I feel like refreshed. Like I feel like in the moment. And it's, it's just so true what you just said. Well, back in the days when I was doing a lot of hypnosis shows and hypnosis and mindfulness meditation are very, very similar in terms of the state you're you're arriving at. And we would say that one hour of hypnosis is like four hours of sleep. And the same applies to these kind of power breaks, these mini meditations, these moments of, of awe or whatever it is that you're doing to like shift you away from this, even just noticing the beauty and there was an earlier study where people were just given a beautiful scene on their desktop and they were asked to shut off the program they were working with and just stare at that beautiful picture for 30 seconds and it increased their productivity and it decreased complaints on the job. So things like that. So there's, there's mindfulness, which is meditation and quieting your mind and focusing on your breath or focusing on the physical experience of the moment. There's awe. There's curiosity. Curiosity is another one that fascinates me because we are trained, particularly those of us who are leaders, you know, those of us who are a little bit type A, right? What do we do? It's like, we're, it's all about control. You know, things aren't going the way I want them to. I'm going to try to control them yeah. into where I want them to be. When in reality, curiosity, I learned this from my dog, curiosity is more important than control. Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, and I want to go there a little bit more. We got to go to break here in about about 35 seconds, but that, you've just made it. I, and let, I want, let's carry on when we come back to break. Real quick, in 25 seconds, if you could summarize some of the key points that you shared here in this first segment of the show for everyone. Yeah, so first we said that m- m- mindfulness is one of, the, one of the most important ways for you to decompress and get rid of the stress and, and make yourself more resilient. We talked about noticing the beauty and experiencing awe. We talked about, uh, we started talking about curiosity. We'll go a little bit more deeply into that. And most importantly, realizing the difference between resilience and dogged determination. We want to make sure that you're making that distinction. You know the difference between passion and obsession. And then you start to develop the nuanced understanding of it so that you're going to catch yourself before you become a, a, a mess. Awesome, awesome. These are key words of wisdom from Dr. Steve Taubman again. We're Bulletproof Mental Resilience. We got more to come. We got some great information. Again, make sure that you have a journal or a pad 
write down, but also we're going to be, this show is being recorded as usual. You can listen to it in its entirety anytime here at the Voice America Influencers Channel. We'll be right back after the break. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects. Surrounding yourself with family and loved ones. Nurturing your spirituality. Maintaining a healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness. And being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about eliminating limited beliefs or unblocking mindset barriers for entrepreneurs, sales professionals, business leaders, and professional athletes to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of resolving the root cause to the problem. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the problem but do not address the root cause to it. You now have the opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consultation calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now... Back to sustainable success. Well, welcome back. If you're just joining us again, we are talking about bulletproof mental resilience. Again, we're here with Dr. Steve Taubman. Again, he this, he's sharing some information, uh, not only about from his new book, Bulletproof, which you're going to learn about how you can get your hands on later. And we highly encourage that you do buy this book. Uh, but again, from, from a lot of the things that Steve has done over throughout his career, so, Steve, you, you were talking about at, at the end of the, fir- at the break, uh, before the break, about curiosity versus control. And a lot of times people maybe, you know, might understand, okay, I know what curiosity is and I know what control is. But in this situation, they may not understand because they, they're doing the direct opposite. You could really define that, you know, what curiosity versus control is when, it, when we're talking about resilience and learning how to be more mindful. I've got a perfect example of this from the dog world right now. Um, and uh, what's, what I seem to be evolving into right now, now that we're having the whole COVID experiences, um, and, and Chris, you know this, I lost my dog a couple months yes. ago, and I've been uh, going through a grieving period, and it's, you know, it's, it's been a little over two months, and I'm... I'm well, what, no, we're always going to remember Woody. Woody, I, uh, I love Woody. I remember he was at all the events, and yeah. he's, he's always with you, as you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Woody was the man. And uh, I'm surrounded by pictures of him and videos of him and everything. And, and one of the things, I wrote a talk uh, that really uh, spoke, I called it the Zen of Doc. And, and, uh, and the first principle in that was curiosity is more important than control. And I said, you know, every, every day when I get up in the morning and I go out with Woody for his walk, I let him lead the way. Mm. And, you know, he was an off-leash dog. I mean, you saw Woody. He just, yes. so, you know, and then I would just follow with, curiosity and fascination in you know why did he turn left there what was the reason for that right turn um why did he stop and sniff that in that particular way 
And what was interesting about that thing? Now, all of us in general, most of us uh, who have raised, have been raised with dogs, we've got the dog on a leash. We're pulling the dog along. We're on the phone. We're busy with something else. And, you know, the dog is not, is, is clashing with our more important agenda. And so we're using control to try to drag this dog from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. And we're missing out on, on the richness of what could be, or we could experience if we were experiencing curiosity. But the best, but, but the spinoff of that is also that when you apply curiosity on a regular basis, you end up having more control because now I know what he's likely to do and what he's not likely to do. And I know when I'm able to pull him off of that, I I know more, I'm just more knowledgeable about his behavior. And if I'm more knowledgeable about his behavior, I'm going to then be more masterful at being able to cultivate a relationship that gets us both where we want to go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's so, so true. So th- now today I, I, I spoke with a woman who has a problem with a hyper uh, anxiety ridden dog, really, really anxious dog. And this dog was um, acting out about the, uh, the, the mailman when the mailman came and then she came out of her room and the dog like got up from a nap and didn't recognize her and kind of barked and snapped a little bit and it freaked her out. It made her, you know, like, why can't I get this dog to be a nice quiet dog? When I first went to visit them, the dog was barking at me at the door and they were trying to hold the dog back, pull him back. Don't do that. And I was like, dude, you know, what are you doing here? This is not, you're trying to control a dog's behavior. You're not trying to be curious about why he's behaving that way. Yes. And if you're, if you're curious about why he's behaving that way, you'll come to realize it's not out of malice or hostility. It's out of fear. Okay, now I know that it's fear. What do I do to ameliorate the fear? How do I make this dog feel comfortable? Why was Woody so good wherever he went? Because he had no fear. Yeah. Why did he have no fear? Because he learned. See, he operated based on curiosity because I was letting him operate on curiosity because yes. I was. So it's, so it's kind of a contagious experience. So now let's bring that back to business. Yeah, you've got a you've got a project that you're trying to um, you're trying to uh, bring forward. You're trying to accomplish something. Maybe you're trying to uh, change something in your business, and you're and you're you know you've created a strategy for doing it. And you start doing that strategy, and it doesn't work, or something goes wrong. What do we usually do? We become depressed. We start to lose our our edge. We start to get snappy with other people. We start to blame. Right? There are all these things that we do as a, as a result of not getting the results we want because we want to be able to control the result. But instead, that's a great time to get curious. It's like, huh. And it requires us to not be so attached to the outcome as we want. Uh, to love that. Love that. Yeah. So non-attachment is, a re- and non-attachment, by the way, is one of the things that mindfulness will grant you. So if you are meditating, if you are looking at awe, if you are looking at curiosity, you naturally start to rewire your brain. And, and once your brain is rewired, it starts to have a much more uh, permissive view of the things that aren't working. Not that you're going to give up and not try to achieve what you want, but you'll stop at the, at the proper moments and you'll look for the different opportunities and you'll, you'll see the sticking points. Like uh, our friend um, uh, Dave Corbin wrote the book, Illuminate the Negative, right? And it's a great idea. Illuminate the Negative means um, don't turn away from the things that you don't like. Don't rail against them, but shine a light on them. You know, maybe people are unhappy in your company. Maybe they're unwilling to tell you that because, you know, you've tried to create a positive environment and you're trying to control it by saying everybody smile, everybody be happy instead of 
noticing instead of being curious. And so curiosity will give you a much more, uh, you know, kind of just a calmer, uh, more peaceful workplace and greater creativity. I, I agree 100%. What you, I mean, that is so true, Dr. Steve. And think about it. If, we, if people were able to incorporate that, let's say even at the, at the family level, like it, it, as children are growing up and parents can let their children be curious, you know, kids are always going to be curious, even from the time they're toddlers to infants. And then somehow as they become, you know, as they become, you know, get older, they, we, they lose that because, again, you know, something maybe the mom or dad are, that are doing, not that they're doing it intentionally, but something that, again, is using control rather than curiosity. And then the kids end up losing that and then end up repeating those patterns in their lives as they become adults. And, of course, that repeats in the workplace and in their in the community and, and of course in their own families. So that is so true. So what are some things about curiosity versus control that you could share from your expertise and what you've worked with people and helping them to be more mindful of being curious and, and, and stay and being steady and consistent there? Well, when I work with people, the first thing I try to do is to, to dial up their mindfulness quotient so that when they walk into a situation, they immediately know, from, from kind of an emotional intelligence standpoint, how they're reacting to that situation. Because most of the behaviors that you and I are talking about right now are taking place outside of our conscious awareness. Yeah. You know, when you're acting out of control, you're not doing it out of a sense of choice. You're doing it because it's a default in your, in your wiring. So I don't like this, yes. fix that, do this. Well, it's, that's not coming from a place of, of self-awareness. If you could walk into the same room with the same things that are going on that are your, you know, you, your instinct is to not like those things and to feel that feeling. And instead of instantly trying to change the, ex the external experience in order to get the feeling you want, if instead you were to turn your attention to the feeling you were having in that moment, mm. you know, I walked into the situation and, Oh, I got triggered. Okay. Why did I get triggered? What was that all about? And then you start getting curious about your own emotional response. It puts a delay between your stimulus and your response. Yeah. Right. And now that you've got a little bit of a little bit of breathing room, now you stop and you look at the situation and you look at it a little bit more broadly. And that's, um, you know, the, the, the curiosity, the wonder. Um, our friend Jeff Hoffman is a, has a great story about that when he talks about his five-year-old uh, niece who he was babysitting, who was asking, what's this and what's that? And what's the other thing that was driving him crazy? <laughs> and he brings her to work with him. And, uh, and she's like, what's that thing? What's that thing? What's that thing? And he's just like getting kind of annoyed by that. <laughs> I know that story well. I remember hearing Jeff Hoffman talking about that story at Leadership Summit America this past October. And yes. So the best part of the story, and I think the moral of the story is that uh, at, at some, and by the way, if you ever get a chance, there's, he did it as a TED Talk. You should go watch the TED Talk. It's Jeff Hoffman, founder of Priceline. Uh, the Power of Wonder. Jeff and I, by the way, are writing a co-authoring a book on the power of wonder. So this is this is the topic, and his story will be in that book. So aside from all the very funny stories that led up to that, this little girl is asking, "What's this? What's that?" And he says, "I was a little aggravated, not because of all her questions, but because I could, I had, not, I didn't have any answers to any of her questions." <laughs> Because he was walking in every day, control, not curiosity, not noticing the things around and just being tunnel vision the way we become, not spotting new opportunity, not spotting things that could be improved upon, 
just being grumpy or upset about the things that weren't working. And she comes in and she just spots all the sticking points. And so one of the things she says is, what's that machine over there? And he didn't know. And so he goes to his, you know, to his manager. He says, hey, what's that, what's that machine in the hallway over there? And the manager says, I don't know either. So he says, well, go find out. Go find out. <laughs> So, uh, so the guy comes back, you know, a few minutes later and, and says, well, I've got good news and I've got bad news. He says, what? He says, well, the good news is I know what the machine is. And he says, okay, what's the bad news? He says, well, that machine there, that's a collator. When we used to make these bound things, we used to use that machine. Uh, we haven't used it for about like 17 years. And he says, what's the, what's the bad news? He goes, the bad news is we've been paying a monthly fee for it. <laughs> They forgot about it. <laughs> they forgot about it. Just this thing sitting in the corner. Now, it took a five-year-old to, like, to bring that to his attention because five-year-olds are all about curiosity and wonder. That is an unbelievable story. Right? And we saved the company a lot of money. <laughs> so a significant amount. And then Jeff said, okay, tomorrow is five-year-old day. You know, tomorrow, everybody comes to work as if they're five years old. And look at things as if you're seeing them for the first time. Yeah. What is that going to do? When you start, you know, in, in, in uh, Buddhism, they call it Zen mind, beginner's mind. Suzuki Roshi wrote that book, Zen mind, beginner's yeah. mind. Beginner's mind. Stop looking at things as, as if you already know what they are and why they're doing what they're doing. You've got to step back from it. I know people, I go to the dog park, I went to the dog park with Woody all the time. And you'd see people who would like, like their dog would sniff another dog's butt. And they'd be like, stop that. Stop that. That's bad. <laughs> it's like, that's dog behavior. That's, that is. Know, that, that's, that's nature. <laughs> yeah, that's nature. You know, when you're trying to control nature, that's a, that's a tough nut to crack, right? But are you, you know, are you Mr. and Mrs. Businessman trying to control human nature yeah. or the nature of, of change? What are you trying to control? And what would happen if you were to step back from that and enter into a state of curiosity? You would be more resilient and less dogged. Mm. Oh, wow. That is a great, great point. Dr. Steve, uh, what you just illustrated between Jeff's story and the the one with the you know the dog and they, I mean, just really spot on. And and I'm hoping everyone that's listening is taking notes here because this is really important stuff when it comes to not only your personal life but in your business. I mean, these things could be happening right now, and you're even though you realize it on some level, you can play a role in helping to facilitate this change by being the example for others. So. Dr. Steve, on that note, like if people are hearing this curiosity versus uh, uh, control, again, we can't, we can't tell people how, when, or why to do it. We can do that, but oftentimes people are not going to do that. So what would be a way that people could start to adopt this, what you've shared with them, to do for themselves so they could be the example for others to eventually catch on to do? And, and it spreads so we can create you know, more curiosity rather than control. Especially well, if we're talking about a company setting. Yeah, in a company setting, the first thing I would do is if, you know, let's say you're about to uh, walk into a new room, you're about to go talk to your boss or to a coworker or to, you know, uh, to an employee of yours, is recognize that we all carry biases with us all the time. So if I'm coming in to talk to Chris and I've had some negative encounters with Chris, then I automatically assume this is not going to be a good encounter because, you know, Chris is just a pain. Right. And that's just a decision that I've made and I'm living with it. And, and therefore, he's going to show up that way to me because I'm seeing him through those filters. And so who's responsible for those filters? I am. Yeah. And so the first thing is take responsibility for your filters. So mm -hmm. before you walk into that environment and you encounter somebody else, when you've got your I used to do this in my chiropractic practice, as soon as my hand touched the doorknob, 
to turn the doorknob and go into the next room, I would do a quick clearing. You know, am I carrying any baggage from the last room? Do I have any baggage ah. about the person in this room? Yeah. So both of those things had to happen simultaneously. It's like that you take that beat, you take that pause. It's a very mini meditation. You've just got to clear the air, okay? So the first thing is just letting it all go. I'm going to walk in with beginner's mind, okay? Now you're going to walk in. Now the next thing that's going to happen is everything is going to start conspiring to make you go back to your usual way of trying to see things the old way, right? And, and what we'll usually do is we'll pretend that, like, I'll walk into the room with Chris, who I secretly think is a pain in the butt. But I'll be like, hey, Chris, how you doing? <laughs> and, and, I'll, and I'll act like I, there's nothing wrong, right, as, as a substitute for really feeling like nothing's wrong. Yeah. But the way I'm going to get to the real place, the authentic place of nothing really is wrong, is I'm going to look him in the eye. Right? I'm just going to look you in the eye, and I'm going to try to see through all of my own judgments. I'm going to try to see through all of my, my default mechanisms. Can you, can you see that? Can you feel that? This sort of, yeah. I'm, I'm letting stuff go, and then I'm looking you in the eye, and, and I'm just asking myself the question that I ask myself for myself, which is, what is what's, the most, what's the most positive way of interpreting any of his behaviors? What's the, because even with yourself, what's, you know, there are things in yourself that you hate, right? There are things in yourself that you yeah. get frustrated with. Oh, I'm so lazy or I'm so this or I'm so, you know, uh, mopey or whatever your thing is, right? That you're, but, but every one of those parts of yourself, they're also doing what they're doing for the most positive of reasons. They're yeah. trying to protect you. They're trying to, you know, avoid pain. Whatever it is they're trying to do, there's a good reason for it. That's true of everybody. No, oh, absolutely. Wow, this is some great. We got to go to break here in about 30 seconds, but this is some great information that Dr. Steve is sharing. Again, if you have uh, any questions, uh, we'll make sure to direct that to Dr. Steve again, or we encourage you to reach out to him directly, which he'll be sharing his information here later here in the next segment when we come back after break. Again, we hope that you're receiving great value. I know I am. There is just a ton of wisdom here. And again, some certain things that you can be doing right now to make these changes. So, Stay tuned. We got more to come. We'll be right back after the break. What is balance? It's being true to your purpose and not being distracted by shiny objects, surrounding yourself with family and loved ones, nurturing your spirituality, maintaining healthy balance of emotional and physical wellness, and being present in the moment. Chris Salem creates awareness about unblocking mindset barriers for sales professionals, business leaders, entrepreneurs, and all types of people to have sustainable success at the next level. The solution evolves out of the problem or challenge. The issue is that many people and businesses manage the effect but do not address the root cause. You now have an opportunity to live your life and operate your business in the solution rather than the effect of your challenges. Schedule a time to chat about your goals and the person you desire to be by going to ChristopherSalem.com. We have group consulting calls, one-on-one, and other programs to assist you. It will be the best thing you do for yourself to see how sustainable success is possible for you in your life and business. Join us at the next level. Visit ChristopherSalem.com. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You 
are listening to Sustainable Success with Chris Salem. Call into our program today at 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Chris at ChristopherSalem.com. Now, back to Sustainable Success. Welcome back here again. We are here with Dr. Steve Taubman again. We're talking about bulletproof mental resilience. Our show is being brought to you today by alumnidirect.com. Again, this is a, a social media community that brings together alumni, no matter if it's from your own school, maybe a fraternity, sorority, perhaps it was a business back in the day that's no longer in business, but a way to kind of regroup and not only share memories and create experiences with people you already know, but new people, people that you don't know. This is also going to be a great place that could lead to your next dream job, dream partnership, business, and so on. There's so many other perks, infinity programs that will be available. Again, check out Alumni Direct at myalumnidirect.com. So as we uh, come back into the third segment, uh, Dr. Steve was sharing a, a lot of insight and some valuable wisdom about curiosity versus control and why that is so important in terms of being mindful, especially now for businesses and more particularly now in this day, today's age, what we've been going through with COVID. So Dr. Steve, you're going to share with us right now a mindfulness exercise because I think, you know, obviously people learn from, from, you know, experiencing, you know, certain things. So I'd like you to, you know, walk us through a mindfulness exercise that could help everyone that's listening here on the uh, audio side and also that are on Facebook Live and, and, and also will be watching on YouTube later. Great, great. Well, first of all, thanks for that because ultimately this is all talk until you're actually doing something, right? I could tell you about how to throw a baseball or how to ride a bicycle, but you're not going to do it until you do it. So uh, that's super important. And one more point about curiosity versus control is in business, often we're called upon to do networking to meet new people. And like you brought up the idea of the alumni and, and interacting with other people and creating new relationships. Curiosity is a really powerful tool there too, yeah. right? Because you're going to be entering into the opportunity to meet new people. Uh, do it with curiosity. Get to know them before you teach them all about you. Uh, a lot of times, and you know, if you've been to these kind of events and people who are shoving their car in your face and telling you all about themselves, those aren't the people that make the biggest impression. Right. Yeah. The people who make the biggest impression are the ones who are who are listening and, and uh, sincerely wanting to know about you. So curiosity really it reads. It yeah. reads. And and so what we're about to do is a practice that I do on a regular basis. Now I used to do it for many hours, you know, during the course of a day, and now it just becomes something that um kind of I supplement my day with. Uh and it's it's checking in with yourself. So a mindfulness exercise is, is being able to, uh, for a moment, uh, or for as long as you're willing to, uh, to, to step out of the stream of your thinking, recognizing that the mind is a very busy place and it's constantly churning up new thoughts and we're trying to solve problems and many of the things that we're thinking seem to be uh, so important, right? Our ego is, you know, thinks that everything that we're thinking about is so important that we have to think about it right now and we've got to solve it right now. And more often than not, that's not the case. More often than not, if we just kind of enter into this place within ourselves where creativity comes from, where relaxation comes from, then the answers arise without, without a lot of brain work. And so, but we, but we as highly mental people need to do this like an exercise the same way as somebody who's very, um, you know, who's not very physical 
who wants to get stronger would have to lift weights. Mm. And so this is the basic repetitions, the basic weightlifting of developing a focused mind as opposed to a mind that's scattered and distracted by your many, many thoughts. And in developing that kind of quiet, focused mind, you'll be able to walk into situations and naturally come from a place of curiosity just because of that, because of that exercise you've been doing. So let's do it. Um, a mindfulness meditation exercise doesn't have to be very esoteric or very woo-woo or anything. It's a very practical matter. And in, in practical words, what we're trying to do is to get out of our heads and into our bodies. Now, if I were to ask you to close your eyes and calm down and to just stop thinking, you probably notice that it didn't last very long, that you'd probably start thinking very quickly. Like, oh, I, am I thinking? <laughs> or, right? And, we, and so we become, um, we start thinking about thinking about thinking, or we start questioning the value of what we're doing. And so it's very difficult to quiet down while we're in our head. So a much more effective tool and a much quicker tool is what I call getting out of your head and into your body. So let's do it again. Just close your eyes for a moment. If you're not in the car, please don't do this if you're driving. <laughs> uh, and just go inside. And you don't even really, it's not required that, you're, uh, that your eyes are closed. It's not even required that you're sitting up. You could be lying down. You could be standing on your head. I don't really care. It's just that you want to be comfortable. And as long as you're comfortable and you're safe and you're turning your attention inward, what I would ask you to do is to just take a few deep cleansing breaths and notice the air as it enters and leaves your body. That may be uh, noticing the air moving in and out of your nostrils. That's a good place to focus because it's a narrow focus. And the narrower the focus, the more effective the focus becomes, just like focusing a lens. And if you're having thoughts or considerations, just notice that you're having them, but then bring your attention back to your breath. And we're just going to move through this exercise relatively quickly um, for the sake of time. And all of that, what we're doing now, could be stretched out for as long as you want. What I'm going to ask you to do now is to take your attention and move it away from your breath and just put your awareness on the feeling of your butt as it's pressing down into the chair you're sitting in. Just notice what you feel there. If you're sitting or if you're lying down, notice the feeling of your body against the, uh, the surface that you're laying on. Just find, a, find an area that's making contact with another area and notice what that feels like. If you find yourself thinking, just notice you had a thought, but bring it back again. So if you're noticing the feeling of your body as it presses down into the chair, you might notice warmth or perspiration, pressure. You might notice the sensation of the texture of your pants against your legs. Just make a note of it, just notice it, and then move your attention to the bottoms of your feet. And notice that your awareness can move very quickly to wherever you direct it. So just direct your attention to your soles, to the bottoms of your feet, and notice anything that you feel there warmth, tingling, perspiration, texture, pressure, whatever you feel. Just allow your attention to rest there for a moment. And now move your attention to the palms of your hands. 
and notice whatever sensations you feel in the palms of your hands. Now, that'll depend on where your hands are. If they're palm up as mine are right now, you might feel air moving over them. If they're touching one another, then what you're feeling in one palm is the other palm. Or the feeling of your pants against your palm. Whatever it is, it's fine. And then to the best of your ability, once again, shift your awareness, shift your attention to the top of your head. And notice anything that you feel up on the top of your head. Again, trying to narrow your focus, maybe to the size of a quarter or a half dollar. And notice if in that area on the top of your head, you can feel anything. Itching, crawling, warmth, tingling. Notice it. Again, if your attention wanders away, that's fine, but bring it back. And then before we end the exercise, just take a quick moment to kind of acknowledge the overall feeling of what it feels like to be inside of your skin. Just be present to yourself. And I want you to end by acknowledging and noticing that you are none of the things that you are paying attention to. You are not your hands, you are not your feet, you are not the top of your head, you're the awareness of each. And so as we get ready to come out of the exercise, just become aware for a moment of awareness itself. Just notice that you're noticing. And notice that in the place of simply noticing, everything else becomes, becomes object. Just rest in the awareness of your own being. And then take a nice deep breath in. And when you're ready, bring your attention back to the room. Wow. Very peaceful. Mm. And what, what I think you'll notice is that without a lot of effort, your mind just naturally became quieter. Yeah. All right. And there's a, there's a kind of a, there's a quality of, of noticing and awareness that begins to arise in you because of having done even that very brief version of a meditation. And if you were about to walk into a room full of people at a, at a, uh, a chamber mixer or a networking meeting, you'd probably be less likely to go in there and yammer away about yourself, but you might be more likely to just go in and just watch and notice. And people would see that in you. They'd see that kind of openness and they'd react positively to it. Yeah. No, that was so peaceful. I mean, and just imagine like you were just doing that every day. You know, just every day, if you can do that, just get into a rhythm and a practice. I mean, it takes time, so you got to use some discipline, but it, it, it's true. I mean, just that, just that short period of time we did that, I, I, you know, I feel so relaxed and I feel more attuned to what's around me. Yeah, and the more you do it, the better you get. As you said, it's a practice. Yeah. And, uh, and it has substantial neurological benefits. It'll change your brain in very positive ways. It'll change how you react to stress. It will make you more resilient and and less tense inside. Yeah, and you know that's powerful stuff. Well, you just this was wonderful, and I again, you know, I want to let you share a little bit more information, Doctor. First of all, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to be here out of your busy schedule to share your wisdom, your insights into this very important area that's so important to business leaders and entrepreneurs. I like that everyone get to know you and where they can find you more about Bulletproof and, and, and all the programs that you offer to help people in this particular area. 
Yeah, so uh, I, I've been uh, I've been working in this area and peripheral areas of personal development and well-being now for about thirty years. I was a chiropractor for many years, and then I transferred my my life over to uh, to the uh, the challenges and and blockages of the mind versus the body. And although they're all interrelated, you know how your mind operates will affect how your body operates, and vice versa. But uh, now I spend a lot of time, or have up until the pandemic, spent a lot of time on stages all over the world speaking about this very topic. And when I get a chance to work with people one on one, it's always delightful because I, I get to watch people go from tense and stressed to uh, feeling a sense of relief and possibility, and let them become the people that they want to be. Uh, and they become, you know, they have a greater sense of humor, the more that they could accomplish. Uh, so this book, Bulletproof, that I, you know, my most recent book, Bulletproof, uh, the name comes from the um, from Superman. Remember, Superman would stand there, and the, <laughs> the bullets would just bounce off of him, and he'd just smile. And you know, if if our stresses uh, hit us the way that the bullets hit Superman. It wouldn't matter how much was going on outside of us because it's not going in. And so I, I asked the question, what do we do to have it not go in? Right. And what, what if everything that bugged you, that blocked you or that brought you down didn't? And so the book is, you know, the research for the book meant talking to Navy SEALs and Army Rangers and CEOs and uh, emergency workers, frontline workers, and coming up with a, a, a system uh, that, that closely reflects a lot of the mindfulness practices that I know but also brings in a lot of real-world experience. And a lot of people have uh, benefited from it greatly because these are tools yep. and strategies that will get you where you want to go. So uh, if you're interested in doing more work with me, uh, whether individually or just get my, my materials, uh, all of my books are on Amazon, and you can go there and do that. Uh, I always encourage people to e email me. Reach out by email. It's just stevetaubman at gmail.com. Wow. My, my main website is stevetaubman.com. Uh, if you're challenged by anxiety or chronic pain, yep. those are two areas we do a lot of work with. And you could find uh, my website, suggestionhealing.com, suggestionhealing.com. Uh, because quite frankly, most of the healing that we need to do has to start up here. And if we can allow ourselves to yep. benefit from the power of suggestion, then we could you know, clear the decks by just changing our own neurology. Well, Dr. Steve, thank you so much. And we encourage you to reach out to Dr. Steve Again, he can offer so much insight to help you uh, in, in this area for business and in your personal life. We encourage you to get the book. Reach out to him uh, by his email. And again, we want to thank you, audience, each and every week joining us here at the Sustainable Success Way. We'll be back next Thursday with another guest. And again, you can listen to this show to get more insight from Dr. Steve. If you missed anything, you can listen to the show in its entirety later here today at the Voice America Influencers Channel or at Sustainable Success 2017. Till then, have a great day, and we'll see everyone next Thursday. Thank you for tuning in to Sustainable Success. Be sure to join Chris Salem and his guests every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Have an incredible week.